Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mad Men Recap. This is your host, Paul, coming to you high atop the Brooklyn studios in beautiful and hot Brooklyn, New York. As always, I'm accompanied by my co-host, Dr. John in Columbus, Ohio. How are you, Dr. John? Probably not quite as hot as you. It's hot here. I'll tell you what. Um, I think it's... I haven't been here all day, but it is about uh, high 70s right now, I think. Well, low 70s. Uh, apparently, it got to 75, um, which is pretty good. Um, but no, I haven't been here all day, John, because I literally just landed at JFK. I was in San Francisco uh, for about, uh, what, four, five, six days. Uh, up, in, up, up in the beautiful Napa Valley, John, I thought, and I must have forgot, I thought I tweeted out to do a Mad Men recap meetup. Um, I don't remember whether I did or not, but apparently we don't have a lot of listeners in the Napa Valley. Well, to be fair, the Napa Valley people have other things going on than meeting with you. They really don't. It's kind of boring up there, John. You know, here's the thing. I get recognized on the streets of New York literally almost every day because of the show. You go up into Napa, I'm just, I'm just anybody. It's got to feel good. It does. It's nice to get away from uh, the constant uh, uh, paparat, paparati uh, kind of situation uh, that I'm in here in, of course, the hub of it all, uh, the best city in the world, uh, New York City. John? Yep. Did you have a good week? I had a great week. Good, good. I saw, uh, I, don't, I don't know, listeners, if, if you don't email John, do it. Why? Because he will write you back like an actual response. This is not like a form letter. He does not just write back, hey, thanks for being a listener, uh, whatever, Dr. John. No, he reads yours and responds to him. John, you're doing a great job out there. Well, thank you. I think that's what our listeners deserve, to take the effort and write something in. Come on. You don't know. It's, it's, it's very, very, very true. Um, one little uh, footnote. I, I, was on, uh, I was on a vacation in Napa, and uh, of course, so I couldn't tweet, uh, number one, because I was in the wrong time zone, and number two, because I was at dinner, and uh, it was the end of the day, and uh, my phone was a little low on battery, and uh, listeners, you should be proud of yourselves. With all the tweeting you did, you literally blew out my battery during dinner. No way. Yep, you guys blew, you guys blew, blew out my battery during <laughs> dinner, and I had no phone service then uh, until I got home. I was at Rutherford's, I think it was Rutherford's in uh, the Napa Valley. Uh, folks, if, if, if you're out there and you're looking for some ribs um, and wine, of course, but the ribs, uh, just unbelievable, although I did have the prime rib, but the, all the, everybody I was with had, 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 had the ribs, and so we'd like to give a shout-out to Rutherford's there in Napa Valley. John, I think we should start the show. Yeah, let's get going. Uh, it is uh, Signal 30, John. I have no idea what that significance is. Uh, I do. But I'm, I'm sure you'll tell me. I'm sure yes. you've done all the research. So, oh. Folks, that's, that, that's why we uh, record the show now a day later. We used to try to do it on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, on, on, on Monday night. Um, but uh, John has asked for another day to get all the research done so you guys don't have to do it for us. Isn't that right, John? And I think it adds some flavor. You know, this really kicks in a little spice to the show. Oh, does it? In my mind. Tell me why. Well, I think by taking the historical facts that are out there, adding a little bit of background information, uh-huh. you really feel like you're in the time even more. Oh, I thought you were going to explain to me what Sig- Signal 30 was, not justify your research efforts. Well, here's the thing. I'd love to explain that to you, but if I do that right now, it might throw you off track and we'll miss what you learned. I'll tell you what I oh 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 my God John I'm a little I'm a little jet lag we're we're trying to get through the show because uh, I might be a little exhausted I, I, I could pass out at any moment uh, but but you're right I do have three things folks don't worry we're not we're not throwing out um, uh, the well worn system of the show John we have three things and and we'd like to call out who uh, sent these in John oh a great friend of the show Maya 
my well done. You really, you really outdone yourself. Although one of them wasn't funny, so we replaced it. But two of them were, and that's saying a lot because when I do it, none of them are. So, so and, first, and she's she's from your favorite smallest state in the union. Which state is that? You really don't know which. Why well, I, I, I I forgot which which state is that, John? Rhode Island. That's not a state anymore. <laughs> I, my I, I hope you're prepared to uh, fend for yourself because I'm pretty sure. Anywho, uh, let, let's move on to the funny three things <laughs> we learned. Uh, Maya, the first thing she learned, uh, number one, moving to the suburbs is bad for everybody but the lawn guys. And we read this. John didn't remember why, but I do. Um, I believe the, um, the lawn guys were stealing from Pete money, and uh, they used to steal beers out of Don's fridge, which is awesome and hilarious. All right. Number two, this is not Maya's, this is John's. Number two, Don knows whorehouses. No shit. Hey. I thought it was funny. Number, oh, I, I did add the no shit, though. John would not do that. Number three, if you want to stay in business, good times should never involve gun, John. Never involve the chewing gum. Yeah, that didn't work out real well. Now, I know you're a doctor, John, and yes. uh, I don't know if this particular situation has happened to you. Would you go with the peanut butter? Instead of gum? No, uh, to get the gum out. Oh, no, just no. break out the scissors. Because I've been told, I think I've been told to get gum out of hair, you use peanut butter. Um, now, to get gum out of pub- pubic hair, John, Yep. Um, I don't know if there's a special doctor's solution besides cutting it off. Well, you know, you could try peanut butter. That sounds awful icky. It does. It's, it, seems, it seems to be adding uh, 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 problems to the situation. But what do you say now we get into the show? Yeah, I, I, Kate, would you like to say hello? Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, Kate's, Kate's uh, sitting this one out uh, because we did just get off the plane, and she's starving. So she's going to eat, but I'm, I'm taking one for the team, and, and I'm just going to... I'm just going to... I'm just gonna, have a, just, gonna, just gonna have a drink and see and see where that lands me. Thank you, Kate. Oh man, have a good show, guys. Oh, we will. See you next Thank time. you. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's do this. <laughs> Liquid dinner for you tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, a lot like uh, Ken slash Ben. So here's right. where, here's where we go. We're starting out the episode in probably uh, the most unique place we've seen in some time: the high school classroom. Hey, man, who doesn't love high school classrooms? Oh, almost everybody. Old-timey, uh, what is that, film reel in I the back. I love those. I love them. Now, you might be saying to yourself, hey, I thought Pete was a successful guy. Did he not get his GED? Well, no, <laughs> that's not the problem. Pete, as some of you may not remember, Pete grew up in Manhattan. He's been in Manhattan his whole life right. until just now, yep. and he's in the burbs. And so it's been asked of Pete to go ahead and get a driver's license. And so he's in driving school, he not, is. not night high school. No, but um, I was told... Um, you know, and I know this is in the '60s, but anywhere else, if, he, if this was modern times, he wouldn't be allowed within—I um, don't know—is it 500 feet of a high school? Right. Well, not even modern times. I'm going to guess by you know the week after this episode, that'll be true. Um, John, um, tell me if you noticed this. Yeah. But you know, Pete has been on the straight and narrow ever since that situation where he got his nickname. Right. Right. Did the rapey Pete eyes come back out in this episode, or what? Without question. I mean, they were on fire. I had, put, I, from, I had to put sunglasses on. From moment one, this was, uh, this was out of control. But uh, now to get to your original question, Signal 30. Oh, right, yeah. The name of the show. 
I want to say thank you very much to John, one of our Facebook friends, who actually put up this link on the Facebook that you can check out. Signal 30 is, uh, was the code term for someone who has died in a car accident. Oh, is that right? And if you go on the YouTube and you Google Signal 30 Part 1, you will actually see the exact film that they're watching right now in the scene. They put way too much time into this show, John. And it's, it's actually produced by the Ohio State Patrol. And Ohio State, too. Yes. Man. Yes. And they, uh, they, they kind of, it's, it's one of those, you know, classic scare tactics. Um, I don't think you could get away with some of this stuff right now. Like, they show some really gruesome images. Yeah. They do. In, this, in these little uh, videos. So that's where the name Signal 30 comes from. Thank you, John. They're watching this as part of their educational process of getting their driver's license. Sure. And, uh, again, the, the uh, fiery rapey eyes break themselves out. Yeah. Kind of leer down the figure of this girl. And uh, did you like how they did the transition from her toe tap-tap mm -hmm. to the tap-tap of the water faucet? I did, I, they, and they they did a few of those kind of things uh, in this in this show. A few yeah. kind of nice uh, transition mechanisms, which uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Now, John, I I wasn't a big fan of high school, uh, as as you may know, um, but I'm pretty sure girls didn't look like that in high school, did they? No, I'm gonna guess you probably more in college. Isn't yeah. that how that this works? Every time you're in high school, you're like 20. If you're college, you're like 30. Oh, you mean in the show? Yeah, yeah, on television. This is true. I, I think I think she was a little she was a little old for high school. But I'm just saying. So, but they we we go into the, uh, you know, the bedroom. Pete can't sleep. Apparently, the water tapping driving him crazy. I'll tell you what else is driving him crazy. Yep. Okay. And he can't uh, he can't sleep, so he goes and becomes Mister Fix It. And this may be the most pleased he's ever looked with himself. Yeah, I think uh, for uh, for one tiny moment, he thought to himself, "Maybe I have balls. Maybe I'm actually <laughs> maybe I'm actually male." That was the thought. That's what ran through his mind. That's exactly word for word. Here thought we go, guys. Thought. Yeah. All right. Uh, so he looks pleased, and we go to somebody else looking pleased, laying in his bathrobe, fixing a midday drink. Hey, who doesn't do that? And uh, apparently, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Not just something. This is the World Cup final. The World Cup, folks. I knew you were going to be excited about this, listeners. John is, uh, for some reason, he is an American. Don't worry. But he is also a soccer-slash-football fan, um, for those of us who, who call it by it right, its rightful name, football. Yes. Um, so I imagined you would be very excited about this, John. I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, they've been putting the, the British soccer on the local television here over the last year, two years. Gotten into it. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, and this one happens to be July thirtieth, nineteen sixty-six. England is the host country. Like that's yeah. the cool part. That's they're the exciting. host country, and they're playing one of the favorites, West Germany, in the final for the championship of the world. And oh. they get it. They win in dramatic fashion, mm -hmm. scoring in extra time. They go up four to two, and in the pub, they go crazy. It's amazing. Lane, uh, his wife, and John apparently their friends, who are I guess her friends. This is what we're going to meet here. Now I, I always I always get confused by um, by the World Cup. Now is that when all those teams just go back to being country teams? So England's just one team. It's England. It's not one of their billions of um, other teams. Exactly. Okay. It's the best. It's the best guys they have in the country. Well, but they're from England. Yeah, they have to be right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So anyways, that, you know, they're going to there. Lane says he'll, he'll be willing to fake it just for his wife's pleasure. And so they do, you know, seem to be having a good time drinking and carrying on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he uh, seemed to really change his tune. He was like, oh, I don't want to go. And then he gets there, and he's having, like, the time of his life. Now, if that's faking it, this guy's a genius. And, we, you know, we, we wind up meeting this new character, Mr. Edwin Baker and his wife. Mm-hmm. And also originally from Britain, and they have a little discussion how Mrs. Baker seems to like New York and like the peaceful outer areas. Sure, Whereas, and, and uh, so does he. You know, Mrs. Price is more anxious and just homesick for England. Which I don't understand. But, uh, so, you know, just a nice little getting-to-know kind of these new people scene. Sure, sure. Uh, we then uh, pop out of there, and we are, I think we're, we're at, like, maybe a lunchtime during the day. Um, and uh, Peggy's in this diner, and who comes in but Kenny Cosgrove, uh, with, a, with, 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 with a white-haired older gentleman, John. Yes, and uh, Peggy looks a little distraught, a little put off. I guess she's concerned that perhaps Ken is looking for greener pastures, perhaps getting ready to head out of the not-so-great place that is Sterling Cooper Draper Price. Yes. Uh, and he, you know, he doesn't really say anything. He's like, eh, I just want to be alone. And yeah. So we will, we will find out more. She did press very hard, though. Uh, I think he said that he it was uh, Cynthia's uncle or something. Yeah, and yeah, he, he, yeah, he's so, horribly, horribly shy. Right. Right. So we um, we then get back to Sterling Cooper, Japer Price, John, and um, they're sitting in their uh, like status update meeting, right? New new business meeting and whatnot. Uh, Don is actually drawing a little uh, noose on his uh, on his little piece of paper, which 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 may be kind of telling. He's sick of this. Well, right um, right next to where he wrote "terrific meeting." Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, and everyone they go around the room. Uh, is there any new business? Everyone's nope, nope, new, no, no, new, and then. Price says, hey, um, I have some new business. Oh, it's uh, a little car company. Uh, maybe you've heard of them. Uh, a Jaguar. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's been a lot of people that maybe aren't on the P. Campbell bandwagon. Mm-hmm. He has come across as not likable. For oh, he, he's a horrible person. The entire time that we've known him as a character. Oh, I've always disliked him, yeah. However, they seem to have really, really pushed him into, you know, super jerk mode. They, have ratcheted, they have ratcheted him up, John. He is a, uh, he, he's just a full-blown dick. The whole time. The whole episode. The whole That's episode. what makes this episode so great, because literally, they've been building it, like, like you already wanted to kind of slap him around, right? Because he's, Cause kind, right, of, he's right kind of here, a little weenie. All he does is sneer at this. And he's like, new business, what are you talking about? We'd have to hire new people. Yeah, what it's a dick. It's only going to be three million. Only three million. But here's mm. the thing, John. Yeah. That's because Lane is stepping on, he's stepping on his, on on his business, I'm trying not to swear. He's <laughs> stepping on his business, um, and I'm thinking that's why he puts it down. But I mean, Don's right; it's a car. What right. an idiot! That's a big, and that's a big deal. And to be fair, they mention what car what car it is, or what car they would be able to use. And it would gotcha. be the X. It would be the XKE. And folks, okay. that is the most beautiful uh, mass-produced Jaguar ever made. So I mean, they would have done well to get this business. Oh my God! Yeah, it's it's one of the most iconic cars in design history. So just you so know, you know, everybody's excited except apparently Pete, Dick. I mean, and again, it just it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're like, "Hey, let's give him some pointers for his dinner." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Nope, too busy." 
you know. Um, what, you know, Rod, I, here's, like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Here's the thing that I don't like about this, John. Yeah. Is there seems to be no kind of motive behind this attitude change, right? right. Like, like, why has he become so awful? Like, yeah, his home life isn't so great, but it's right. also not so bad. Well, you but know what I, mean? I think that's the, that's the whole point. I think in his mind, it is so bad. Well, He's made it that bad, and it's just kind of... Well, no, that's not true. There's no, you're right. There's no reason. Yeah, this is, they, like, they just at, turned him into this. Like, at worst, he would just be a little bored. You know what I mean? Like, he goes home, there's just the kid and the wife who doesn't have time for him, and there's no food. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I just go home, and it kind of sucks. But it's not, it's not actively horrible. Right. So it, it's weird that, that he's had this, it's, it's, he's had this like super dramatic, um, like shift. Right. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. But it does help drive the episode. Yes, it does. Indeed. So uh, then he says, hey, we're, we're going to see you Saturday night. I was like, eh. And uh, we go in and apparently Megan broke out the cheerleader outfit. Oh, no, I episode. completely disagree. I love this outfit. Are you serious? I do. I think this is one of the better ones. I mean, because they, they, they definitely, because she's younger, they push her a little more, um, uh, six, uh, what was still like, end of 60s modern. Yeah. So, you know, she is dressing more 70s than everybody else, but right. this outfit is awesome. I don't know what you're saying. Okay. All right. You know what? Agree to disagree. People have commented that I've become too aggressive on the show because... Um, you know, for, for years now, we've been getting along so well, and now all we do is fight. But <laughs> I think you're wrong. <laughs> all right. So, but anyway, so what we find out in that scene is the fact that, uh, in fact, there is a dinner going on with Trudy and Pete. Don wants out of it, and once again, we find Megan not willing to kowtow to his demands. She's like, look, you don't want to go. Go ahead. Call her and say we're not yeah. coming. Yeah. No, no. She, I, she's amazing. She handles Don so well. Right, you know what I mean, like, like, and he had, it's, he's, he has no way to combat her. Right, you know what I mean. Right. She's it's, like, it's oh, impressive. Hey, if you don't want to do it, that's cool. You call her and tell her. Anyway, I'm out of here. See ya. And he's like, and what? Think, he's like, what just happened? Was, I think it was fascinating because that was one of the like the little debates last season. Was like, you know, Doctor Faye, this strong person, Megan, the new young, you know, another dorm hat, and not at all. I don't, but yeah, like you can see, like Doctor Faye didn't even handle Don this well. No. You know what I mean? Like, Don's looking to kind of fight it out, and she's so good at just kind of like, just kind of like, turning out of the way, you know, just missing the punch, and right. uh, and then slipping out of the room, and he's just right. left to like be like, wait, what? What just happened? Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's it awesome. Great. But then we get into a nice uh, little scene. Ken, Peggy, they're like, what's going on? You know, uh, what was that meeting about? She's worried again that he might slip away, and he's like, look. He was from uh, Scherer Strauss, which is a publishing company that's still in, in business today. started in 1946. And he says, like, look, I've been writing some fantasy science fiction. I'm looking at maybe even uh, combining uh, them into a book of my, my top 20. I even have a pen name uh, that, of course, you know, who's not going to love Ben Hargrove as hey, a pen name? Brilliant. But that's the story, and we find out that there's apparently this little pact that if things get really bad here, or if there's a good offer out there, Peggy and Ken are gonna splits together. Oh which yeah. Is now, nice. Wait, wait. So when did this pact happen, by the way? We don't know. We okay. Know, yeah. This, this is something we've just now heard about. Okay, because this was one that I I uh, I was confused by. 
Yeah, no, we just find that out now. Okay. But I think it's kind of nice, you know, because these seem to be, you know, two of the, I guess, just better people in the office. Yeah. So it's nice to see them, you know, kind of together. Yeah. And then uh, we get Lane and Roger. So Roger's doing the good thing. He's trying to really, you know, pump up Lane, give him some tips from his world of expertise. Brilliant advice, by the way. All the things he told Lane, I felt like, were uh, actionable for all of us. Right. So, you know, you don't drink heavily. You let him. Well, yeah. You let them talk. But here's the thing. He didn't just say don't drink heavily. He told you how to look like you are without. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, just let them drink more than you. You can't do that. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, sorry. Uh, But, you know, is this... This form they talk about, the, the request for proposal, I'm not familiar with this. Is this. Do you know what this is? Or is this still a thing? I mean, it, well, to be fair, I, I, I wouldn't ever see these forms. Um, but I'm sure there's something something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded a bit strange. Uh, just have you ever been dropped from account? I think anyone would assume that, you know, every agency is going to lose an account here and there. So it's right. kind of an odd question. Right. Because wouldn't everyone just answer yes unless they just started? Um, so yeah, that's a bit odd. I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But but still, I think the the crux of the uh, the, the scene that Roger's really trying to relay his experience and expertise. Well, and in a, in and, a genuine fashion. And it's not even that. It's also that he has a tremendous working knowledge on how to do these things. Right. Like right. you know, like he's too bad he wrote a book as a memoir. He should have wrote a book, how to be the best account man in the world. Right, it probably would have sold better. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, uh, or maybe sold it all. Exactly, <laughs> sterling's gold. Look, <laughs> look it up, folks. So now, yeah, uh, we get to go back to high school. Hey, we uh, do. We do. wait. Did, did well. We we did oh, miss. We yes, did we miss. Missed. Don actually does uh, get a hold of Trudy, and Trudy shuts him down like he's in Chattentown. It's ridiculous, John, That's and amazing. True, Trudy may be my hero. Yeah, that life. was pretty great. She was amazing. She was like, you know what? I know you got a whole list of excuses. Could we just skip to the last one? I'll tell you that it's a lie. And then uh, you're going to come over. Okay, cool. Talk to you later. <laughs> it, was, it was the best. And that, that, you know, so this is like two scenes in a row where the woman has you know, come out on top by a mile. Yeah. Uh, which he I even, think he is... even tries to kind of take a shot at Pete. Well, not, not really. I mean, this is a joke anyone would say. Like, you know, you're better at, at, at this than Pete is. And she's like, you know, that's not true. He's doing great there. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye now. It's amazing. It was great. Yeah. This, is, this is one of my favorite scenes. But this next scene could be one of my least favorites. And, John, this is one of those situations where I'm watching the show, and you're just kind of like, no one talks like this. Come on. You know what I mean? No. So, right. so Pete's, so Pete's in, in the hallway at the high school. Which, by the way, I mean, is like whoever found this high school uh, or set this high school uh, set or scene up, it's so spot on awesome. But um, uh, they're they're taking a break from the driver's ed thing. Um, The girl that he's been ogling comes out and they have a little conversation. And Pete is totally putting the moves on her in the absolute creepiest way possible. Yeah. Uh, He actually tries to get a date with her. Uh, to go to the botanical gardens, and she's like, "Well, who's well? And, and, well, and he tries to uh, pump himself up by saying that his family donated the land for that botanical gardens, John. But that was generations ago. 
Yeah, pretty much a million oh, years. Oh, my, seriously gag me. And, um, and uh, so she says, well, who's going to drive? And he's like, well, we both will. We'll teach each other. Oh, my God. So I was on the plane watching this. I literally puked all over the place. Yeah, it's a good thing they have a bag with your I, seats. You know, I think about the rest of us that had no bag. It was three. My aisle was three seats wide, John. Yeah. It took all three bags. That's all, not a surprise. I am grabbing bags from every back of seat I can. Here's the thing. That's called the Campbell Special. <laughs> He's seen it before. He'll see it again. So, uh, the, so the thing, but with, with this girl, uh, yeah. just real quick, you know, she she launches into some concerns uh, that her parents are having. Again, one more brief history stop on this train. I was uh, ready for this one. Yep. So apparently, just uh, the, the day before they're talking, there was a, another very violent crime. So we just had the nurses uh, two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. now, in Texas, there was a character named Charles Whitman, 25-year-old student, who took a pretty much an artillery up to the observation deck of, the, uh, of a building in Texas and just randomly started shooting people. He killed 16 people, wounded another 32 before cops took him out yeah um and amazingly it turned out that he had a giant brain tumor yeah, that's that right a reason for that happening and that's you know again some more anxiety more stress and I, I find it amazing that you know they have someone her age which is what 18 17 and she's already uh nostalgic you know she's already talking about time gone by and the summers and how things used to be and so you know pete's what double that age maybe not quite and uh, it's got to be twice as bad for him trying to think of better times than what he has now. Oh, well, okay. I like that. But, to be fair, and not, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of 18-year-old girls, but did she not seem unbelievably well-spoken? Yes. Absolutely. I'm just saying. That, that kind of, t- it almost takes me out of the scene. Right. Because I'm like, right. no, no one who's 18 can even come close to talking like this. Especially to someone of that level of creepdom. And I'm fairly certain we don't have any 18-year-old listeners, so I'm going to say this. 18-year-olds are kittens, John. <laughs> oh, now, now you're just doing sweeping generalizations. I am doing. Well, but you know what? That's what I like to do, John. I like to kind of, I like to kind of stir up the pot here with the listeners moving on. Well, and Pete breaks out the pot-stirring eyes once again as he watches, watches her walk away. That was just... Oh, my God. That probably invoked bag number five for you. That was, that was. <laughs> I had to reach across the aisle to get yep. another barf bag. Yeah, I think Don is preempting the whole barf experience, and he's getting himself hammered before going. <laughs> John, <laughs> I want to hit I want to hit the doorbell with my chin. <laughs> <laughs> right? That yeah. was fantastic. That was fantastic. Also really funny, uh, when Megan talks about how he has no friends, and that she had to invite his, uh, his tax attorney to his birthday, he's like, hey, man. I really like that guy. He's done a lot of things for He's me. He's done a lot for me. <laughs> That's great. Hey, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with appreciating people that help you out, John. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But to be fair, Megan again handles Don amazingly here. Except for the jacket she puts him in. Oh my goose. Listen, Kate wishes she was here. I wish, I I should almost just pull her in for this part because John it, the, 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 the holy trinity of horrible jackets that we experience at Pete's house is enough, is, a, is, is, is enough to blind a believer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we, we find out exactly where Pete is, that they're heading out to a Greenwich, 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 whatever, 
uh, suburb called Coscob. You ever make it out that way? Coscob. Uh, no. Why the hell would I? I, I kind of have Don's opinion about a Saturday night in the suburbs. Right. You know what I mean? That's just stupid. Yeah, but it's a, it's it's a right off ninety five. They're right, uh, just part of Greenwich. In, in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see now, John. This this was nostalgic for me. We see uh, uh, Pete's Hi Fi. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now, do you remember when we were when we were really little? These things yeah. were still kind of hanging around. Yeah, we had one. Uh, we had well, we had one in the basement. I remember. I don't remember when it was upstairs. Yeah, I but I know was, there was one in the basement, yeah. and I remember our grandmother had one as well. Mm-hmm. And that was still up in the living room for many years. Right. I I so I I I love these big things. I think it's great because you kind of turn it into uh, a credenza. Um, right. And it becomes kind of part of the house, which I mean, to be fair, where where kind of music and speakers went to, they definitely became then not part of the home. Um, well, right, right, yeah, not a visible part of the home. Well, right. no, they, they didn't they didn't fit in the home. You know what I mean? Like they became oh, from here. Like this is a piece of furniture, right? Right, right. And so it becomes part of your home, and it also plays music, which right. which I think is how it should be. Uh, but then, you know, once we had more technology and we could make these things smaller, mm-hmm. we made them so, I don't know, they look like they should, like, like everyone should live in a college dorm. Right. Yeah. Anyway, right. sorry. Now, it's getting better, you know, with kind of the implantable systems that you can do, the, you know, 5.1 and whatnot. To be uh, fair, um, I just saw a video. Uh, Ikea just came out with a TV that kind of fits an entire entertainment system. Mm-hmm. So it's built into a furniture piece like this. Nice. So you know what, John? It's coming back around. I like it. Anyway, and apparently, apparently you could lay down in these. You could you could actually survive a flood in one of these, John. Nice, nice. Okay. But uh, yeah, so we we see uh, we see Ken and Cynthia uh-huh. and Pete again talking about the high five. Yep. And um, we get Don shows up, you know, and and uh, Pete seems genuinely excited. I would like to show off, I guess. I, I I mean, I think he's, you know, Don's not someone that is very warm. And so I think he's just incredibly excited that he got him out to his house. So go ahead and rank these in order of worst jacket. Okay. Well, I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, Don's is far and away in the lead for the absolute worst jacket I've almost ever seen. <laughs> and it's all, you know, there's so, there's so much going on there. Right. I'm sure it fits him perfect, but it even looks ill-fitting. Like, it is just absolutely, it's, it is like someone stabbing you in the eye, is the only way I can put it. Uh, Pete's is, uh, Pete's gets runner-up for just the color, and then I'm almost certain there's somebody in Williamsburg right now wearing Ken Cosgrove. <laughs> I'm serious. That one's, that, that one's a big buffalo check. It's not, it's not actually that bad. Right. But um, also, by the way, Pete's tie yeah. is like a... It's just, it's like a nightmare. It looks, it looks like it's in, a, it's in a fight with the jacket. <laughs> well put, well put. Also, I don't know if you also uh, recognize in this scene, the, uh, the curtains behind the high fives are what literally, happened? they're like they're like a fist fight of color, John. It, it is like someone ripping your face off. It's like, yeah. it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a Wolverine broke into your house and, uh, and, and, and bit your face off. But yeah, that's a fist fight. Nobody wins. But if you if if you also see in a shot that those those curtains are repeated on the couch, the couch is the same fabric. Ah, 
What else? I guess they brought it together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just you just get the couch upholstered in the same fabric, or you get the same fabric from the and anyway. That the couch somehow is almost so bad that it's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Almost. Like 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 if I went into someone's house and saw that couch, I would throw up, and then I'd be like, wait a minute. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> anyway. and, you know, and the whole the whole interaction about you know Pete just kind of gushing over himself. I can't tell you how much it means that he came here, Don. You know, it was it was I think it was almost more awkward than flattering. Oh, it was really awkward. I don't know who talks like that. Yeah, yeah. Just gushing over Don on the fact that he was there. Right in front of Ken, who is you know another guest. Like, but know. you know, to be fair, they both kind of gushed because uh, Ken was like, yeah, you know, you get the. You get the big steak. I don't yeah. know. It was just. It was just yeah. kind of. It was kind of gross. And I think that I think the next dinner scene wasn't quite as gross here with, you know, Elaine and uh, Mr. Edwin. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, this is where we just see that he has nothing to complain about. You know, Lane's trying to do what he was told. And and, and also to to be fair to Lane, this guy didn't. I mean, Lane's just trying to talk to him over dinner. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like we saw him insinuate that he wanted to go have a good time and Lane was like oh no 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 right you know what I mean so I thought that was a little that was a little unfair later in the show it's not I mean if you if you would have said I mean I guess maybe he was worried about it because their wives know each other maybe or maybe he's just making his own assumptions you know based on his conversation yeah that's true I mean that's kind of the whole point Lane tries to do what he was told and this guy doesn't really make it very easy Uh, it's a fun little scene Sure. In the next scene, we're back at the dinner party with uh, with everybody, and um, we're talking about uh, what are we, we? We talk about a bunch of stuff here, don't we, John? Well, first they're talking about the name of their little suburb, Costco. Mm-hmm. Oh God, um, that was boring. Oh and, my yeah. God. And then they talk about uh, where Ken is living now. You know, they're in Queens. They're like, oh, you should move out here. And uh, they're talking about you know the whole being in the country. Um, you know, being in the open space, and Ken's like, "Look, I'm from Vermont. This is not the country." Yeah. You know, and and the Don chimes in with, "So you missed the horseshit, huh?" And uh, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> and, was hilarious. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you know, talks about the outhouse and uh, kind of a rare sharing moment for Don. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ken suggests that uh, Pete brings the rifle home to take care of the varmints. Nice. Um, doesn't go well with Trudy. No guns in this house, and then. The whole thing comes back up about um, Mr. Whitman, who Don was, you know, eagerly to chime in on that name, uh, and his actions with the gun, and comes as a little bit of a downer in the conversation. Um, And she's uh, Trudy's like, "Eh, I want to change the change the topic, change the topic," Um, and then it gets into, you know, Cynthia and how they met, and the fact that she's in publishing and met Ken as this author. Yeah, he tries to get out of it, but she really launches into this one story of his, the punishment uh, of X Four, about the bridge linking two worlds and the bridge falling down, and because uh, a robot takes the wrong piece out, and that's uh, that's kind of I don't know interesting I guess. What no no see this is the kind of thing which uh, I didn't really get, but in my head I'm like wait is there some significance that I'm missing here. Like, was there some, was that like a... Oh, the whole robot of, thing? Yeah, like just the way that they had the robot thing or the bridge between two worlds. I'm sure the listeners are going to come at me like I'm an idiot on this one, but there's something there, folks. Help me. 
My oh, favorite, man. my favorite part about the scene, though, John. Yeah. Is I feel like they did this uh, because um, all of us, as the viewers, were doing the same thing when Cosgrove's wife in the first part comes in, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember her." You're like, "What was her name? What was her name?" And they're all doing the same thing in right. the episode. I thought that was hilarious. And then when she says her name, and and Megan's like, "Cynthia, yeah." <laughs> it's like that, that that was great because I think everybody at home was doing that too and I wonder if that was just kind of a little a little play on how many characters they have in the show. It was it was hysterical. It was good. It was really good. Well done, Matt, cuz I know you're listening. And you know all the all the guys are wonderfully wonderfully plastered. I mean all three of the guys are made out to look just hammer drunk. And um, the girls go to clean the clean the uh, table and the sink doesn't work right. In fact, it blows up. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why that is, John. Um, and Don does his Superman act, takes off the shirt, puts a pan over the spout, gets down under the sink, apparently fixes this with a paper clip, and gets, and gets a round of applause. Really? Well, yeah, John. When the sink blows up and there's water spilling everywhere, you're going to yeah. get a round of applause. All First right. of all, all the ladies were pretty excited to see Don take his shirt off. It seemed like it. I think that was that was made pretty clear. Um, number two, Don uh, Pete had fixed the problem by turning the pressure all the way up on the uh, on the sink, right? Right. All Don did, he took a screwdriver out of the toolbox, which Pete was like rifling through like an idiot, looking for what we don't know. Uh, <clears throat> and he just tightened he tightened the the faucet, and so that stopped. That kind of just fixed everything. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. It here's here's the thing. Yeah. So I'm I in in my head, if I was Pete, I would have been like kind of embarrassed by all that, right? Right. Because John's in my house fixing my stuff. Right. But Pete was not. He didn't seem embarrassed by that. He seemed like, oh, Don's the best. He kind of takes care of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I I can see that. You know, like Don knows what he's doing. Like Don's been here before. You know, I don't I don't know. It was a bit, it was a bit kind of strange. And then uh, we get the the drive home. Yeah. Where you know Megan's like, "Hey, you had a great time," and he leans over, pulls the "I'm too drunk for you to drive." Yeah. Makes her pull off to the side of the road, so I guess he can use two hands on the brazier, which he's struggling with. They do make him bulletproof sometimes, John. Here's the thing: um, when she said that she couldn't have kids. Did you think that it was going to turn into, like, a real I-can't-have-kids kind of situation? No. Okay. I don't know why, but for some reason when she said, oh, I can't have kids, I thought it was going to turn into, like, yeah, you know, I can't. No, I I thought this was just another example of how well Megan can, you know, deal with Don. It's not that Don can't get something he wants. She just has to agree to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Also, I'd like to bring up for our listeners, um, for some reason I feel like there's been a lot of emails about how Megan was an actress... Mm-hmm. And that came up again at the dinner table. Yep, as a as a person attempting to act, and uh, wound up you know using her acting talents to model, and from there got a job there at uh, the ad agency and so forth. By the way, incredible amount of eyeshadow on Megan. Mm-hmm. To- totally digging it. And I, th- I have to say, just from like a uh, I guess a cinematic view, I thought this was a, a great dissolve that they did. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I, think they, they do that. But this was just fun from the car to the office was kind of a neat Yeah, the same the same camera movement. Yeah. No, I thought that was great too. Yeah, there's there's so there's there's the one we already mentioned, there's this one. 
And then there's another one. Oh, that that we missed. We didn't mention when um, when Ken Cosgrove is opening the door to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, Lane Price open. They cut, and Lane Price opens the door to let Roger in. Right. The same kind of cut. Yeah, I don't. I guess this is a directorial thing. Why we're yeah, I mean, up. I don't know if you noticed, but the slat um, directed this one. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a. a uh, maybe that's an editing thing. Because you have to set these shots up. Right. This isn't like something you can edit through. So right. maybe. And, uh, and so now we're back in the office, new day, uh, start of the new week. Pete and Roger walking in. They're discussing uh, another plane crash and how to do strategy with Mohawk. Apparently, uh, a Braniff airline plane went down in Nebraska mm-hmm. over the weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of just gets blown by the, the wayside. And they ask Lane, you know, how to, how to go. And he's like, well, I tried it. Didn't work. We got another dinner coming. And again, uh, uh, Jerk Pete jumps in. Oh, my like, God. Overly, overly aggressive. Yeah. I mean, pretty much saying, you have no value. We'll do it. Um, you know, but he... But this is what I don't understand. He's not the account guy. He's not an account guy. Right. Lane's not an account guy. I think he's just excited that he has an opportunity to bring in an account. Yeah. And since it's kind of a pseudo-personal friend, I think he's maybe not seeing it the clearest. But, uh, you know, we, we, he does kind of acquiesce to, do, to, to have them do this dinner. And mm-hmm. then as they leave, Roger goes, well, that was nice of you to you know, invite me. It's like, whatever. You're coming to the dinner, not the wedding night. I mean... It just doesn't stop. He is like he is. I mean, he's cruising for a bruising. I think, and that's the point. I think yeah. the the whole episode is just to make you cheer at the fight scene instead of realize just how sad it actually is. But to be fair, the last few episodes have been setting that up. But right, I just, but, I don't, right. I just, but I, I want to understand what's making Pete. Like, what, what was the, what was the trigger that turned him like into this evil monster? Right, because. I seem to remember, like, Lane kind of looking out for him. Like, they were kind of buddy-buddy at, at the uh, beginning of right. uh, this Sterling Cooper Draper Price situation. So, Do you I think it's, it's just, just as Pete uh, is responsible for more and more of the volume of accounts that he just has a sense of entitlement or empowerment that's maybe not really there? Yeah, I mean, I guess. As, you know, as, as his value becomes, you know, clearly... Or maybe Roger. it's, or maybe it's kind of the the situation where like he's successfully kind of defeated Roger somehow, yeah. and now he just feels like he can pick a fight with whoever he wants and he'll win. A little swollen ego. Yeah. Well, and, and if nothing's gonna shut down his ego like this next scene. Oh Back at driver's God. ed. Oh man. He, you know, he taps the chair so Jenny will come over and sit down near him. Leans in with this absurd smile. So gross. Like, so gross. You, know, you owe me the uh, the date at the gardens. Um, you know, and she she tries to politely get out of it, saying, "Well, it's you know, what about church?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, it, you know, and uh, and then you know, and then he gets completely just s- smacked, uh, ego wise. Well, oh, yeah, you know, the, the actual this... high school, who's going to be a college scholarship track athlete, comes in. Whose name is handsome? Handsome, exactly. For I mean, it sake. couldn't it couldn't have been better. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and then you can instantly see, you know, Jenny just kind of absolutely smitten with him. He drops a really cheesy look up little line, like, you know, I must be crazy that, you know, I don't remember you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Pete just sees whatever he thought he saw evaporate into what it is, which is nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is gross. Which is gross, right? Yeah. But um, he doesn't see it as gross. I love I, I, I love how they shot it. So, like, you know, he I, I, obviously he's been looking her up and down. Right. And then they, they shoot kind of him up and down where he's where Pete's kind of realizing, oh, my God. Not only is this guy uh, uh, like 10, like who knows how many are younger, but also uh, tan, uh, good looking, and twice my size. Right, right. <laughs> Literally, literally. I mean, no offense to the guy that plays Pete, but you are like the weeniest dude I've ever seen. Like you are, you are like a that. human weenie. I want to. I want to know who has ever started off a phrase with "no offense" and actually had it come across <laughs> as not offensive. Well, here's the thing, John. We are we are these we are, we are one of the smallest podcasts on iTunes. Uh, so like I don't have to worry that we're gonna then get him as a guest and he'll be like, "Hey guys, remember in that episode, episode fifty-two, when you called me the big, <laughs> the biggest human weenie ever?" It's not gonna happen. So uh, he's a human weenie, and it's a kind of weird. <laughs> and, and so you know, continue on your kind of weird theme. We hit a, a beautiful bibbed restaurant. Oh, I was gonna say awesome. <laughs> Apparently, you guys have the Red Lobster. So here's the thing. Happen. That's one of the last tweets I saw before my phone ran out of battery. Was somebody <laughs> tweeted it about lobster bibs, and I'm like, I'm not reading any more of them. That's, <laughs> that's enough. It's going to be good. <laughs> but so, you know, we're talking about the, uh, the, the model that you were talking about, the, the, the Jaguar and... The XKE. And he's like, the guy's like, look, the business is yours. Let's just have some fun. Um, and so <laughs> uh, Roger takes this one over. Oh, uh, well, well, no, Pete, Pete is pretty much, well, this is your territory, you greasy creeper. But here's the thing, Kate, <laughs> Pete's the greasy creeper. Um, and this guy, is, this guy is straight up being like, listen, let's go to a whorehouse. How do you feel about that? Right. I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know if this happened. I guess this, this must have happened because they always say how, uh, how you know, these kind of madmen kind of uh, stories are based on stories Matt Weiner has heard, so... And so that's where we find ourselves is in the, you know, kind of adult house. Well, here's, here's, here's where I'm going to come at this. I can't imagine being out with the client and he's like, and they'd be like, hey, I uh, kind of like to have a good time. And, you know, me realizing that he's talking about going to a whorehouse. This would be me pulling out my iPhone and being, okay, Google Maps, whorehouse. Well, just, just ask Siri. Yeah, like, yeah, Siri. Whorehouses in Midtown. 57,000? Well, whichever one will we go to? <laughs> this one has a four-star rating. <laughs> Let me get on Yelp. See what they... No diseases. Um, you know, but I, I love how the first shot that we see after going back to rewatch it is um, Edwin's lady with these giant chomps of her gum, which I think is fantastic oh. when you watch it the second time. Oh, yeah. I sadly have not seen this episode twice, but I, I will watch it again. It was this this has been one of my favorites, to be fair. You know, and so he, he's uh, he's having his good time. Uh, Roger gets a uh, a young woman to come up. Of course, a redhead. Her. I don't know if you noticed. Yes, yes. I like how I like how he looks at Don. Come on, Don. Work, work, work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Pete seems to be getting along famously with his lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Don has chosen to take the high road now is that because he's truly happy or because he doesn't often you know engage in this kind of activity with work people now we know he and lane had that night but in a group probably not. no i think i think don is definitely definitely different 
Definitely I think so. Did. And I mean, I think I think we saw we saw that in the episode last episode where he um, where he choked that woman to death in his dreams. Right. Right. Well, you know, again, that's that's a dream. We'll see if that holds. Oh, holds yeah. steady Eddie. Yeah. But uh, so they take us into the back room with Pete and uh, his companion. You didn't catch her name. No. Okay. Um, and she's got, uh, you know, I think this this is great. It kind of harkens back to his whole gun episode with Peggy about, oh. uh, you know, getting the uh, the large prize animal when yeah. she reveals the leopard print under things. And to be fair, she also is a prostitute, John. Okay, that's true. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say this, but I, I think leopard print is a favorite among prostitutes, and I'm not, I don't, listen, to, stop your letters right now. I don't know any prostitutes. <laughs> but just, I mean, just as far as a, as an aesthetic feel. Right. Prostitutes love leopard print. And uh, apparently Pete likes leopard print, but he also likes, uh, you know, setting up his fantasies exactly the right way. A certain type of, uh, a certain type of attitude, if you will. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's what he wants to... It, it, I think this is just a really sad moment because he has to have this to make himself feel important. You know, it's not just about having a prostitute having sex. It's about having somebody that calls you the king. Yeah. yeah. And here again, I mean, I just, I just, I feel like I just, I, we just don't know where this comes from because this, this wasn't, it's not like he's always been like this. Like, what, what started this, like, just horrible monster drive to the top? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think he, I do think, sadly, he has always been like this. I think they obviously turned it up a ton right now. But, I mean, he was, you know, he was absurdly ambitious from, from episode true. one. You know, he's true. always been looking to climb up. You know, I think the very first, second conversation he has with Don is, you know, look, Pete, you're going to have my job someday, you know, as far as being a top yeah. exec. So, I mean, he's, I think he's always been this. He's always felt underimportant. All the family issues. I mean, he's got th- a lot of baggage. I think you're right. I think as he's great, as you kind of gain ground, mm-hmm. you gain, you, he gain, he's gaining ego as you would, mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of exploded like this. Yeah, and we get, uh, you know, and so he has now set up his his fantasy the way he wants, and we come over to Don, who has you know purposely avoided, you know, engaging in any kind of fantasy behavior. We see the house madam come over. Now here's the thing: when the house madam first walks in from the side, mm-hmm. did she not kind of look like Betty? Uh, sadly, yeah. Right? Because she's kind of big and kind of blonde and has her hair up. And I'm like, what is Betty doing there? Wait a minute. Wait. That's the owner. And, uh, you Betty? Know, she, you know, she, she checks to see if he's a cop. He's like, I'm not a cop. Uh, decides to tell her he's raised in a whorehouse. Um, yeah. She, she, I think, accuses him of that. Wait, hey, listen, if you're here and you're not having sex, you're clearly gay. I know a guy up the street. Right. Right. And he's like, well, that's the best way I've ever heard that one. But, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it's very strange. I always like, the one, one of the reasons that I've been so entranced by this show is I don't feel like, you know, we really ever, like, waste a minute, a moment. You know, I think everything's shot so well. But uh, this, this little exchange, I guess, eluded me as far as value. No, I agree. I feel like there wasn't, there wasn't any, like, there wasn't a zinger. There wasn't, it wasn't particularly good dialogue. Between right, no, the two of them, nothing was when, revealed. When she's like, uh, "I got his drinks," you know, like yeah. he had just, like he had just zinged her or said something really cool or done something really great, right? Like Kate and I both looked at each other, like, uh, "Why?" 
Right. Why, why do you have his drinks? So I, I mean, guess, he, you know, in, in uh, four and a half seasons, you're allowed a 40-second scene that doesn't really push hey, the story. Hey, as they say, filler scene, John. Yeah. Was, I mean, hold on. Maybe yeah. she's got his drinks so he'll get drunk enough to sleep with a prostitute. Maybe. Always trying to push the business. Hey, she seems like a smart businesswoman to me. But either I mean, way, I'm not gonna. I'm. 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 I'm gonna be honest here. Uh, all the all the girls we've seen in in her in her horror studio mm-hmm. have have been top notch. <laughs> yeah, not. I guess. I guess so. I'll have to defer to you for that one. Pretty ladies, you have to defer to me for. I'm just saying they're attractive ladies. Oh, okay. I thought you meant in performance. Moving on. Awkward. So yeah. we go to the we go to the cab. They get rid of Ed. Uh, it sounds like he had fun. He had a great uh, time. Now here's the thing, John. Knowing what we know, would he, would you, you think he would have been like kind of moving a little funny? Right, right. Yeah, maybe not the smoothest steps, but again, uh, <laughs> inebriation really masks a lot of things. This is true. This is true. Uh, but uh, you know, so we're in the cab, and you know, Don is just looking kind of t- uh, kind of bored and ready to go home. Pete is just looking a terrible, mess. a mess, straight a up mess. mess. And is completely upset. He's upset that Don did not engage in apparently the tomfoolery. He's upset that apparently you know he thinks Don shot him a you know a glance that was disapproving. That, Which is uh, crazy. Like he's he's completely he's he's completely derailed. Yeah, absolutely. Don and, has not done anything. No, and you know, and, and you know, he gives him a hard time he's like wait till your honeymoon's over it's like when he's already been through a honeymoon and had three kids and you know done this whole rodeo and it's fascinating i think in this scene because you know pete right now is a top executive at a middle of the road ad firm with you know a house in the suburbs a kid a lovely wife so how close is he outside of the physical appearance to what don was when the whole series started how different no, how close? Oh, he's I mean, pretty. He's pretty close. I think. I think the only difference between him and Don here mm-hmm. is Trudy, and the fact that I mean, Pete's a human weenie. But I think. I think you know, like Betty couldn't have ever done, or handled, um, anybody on the phone like Trudy did, and I think that's what maybe Don is responding to. Maybe. You know that she she really is she really is seemingly a pretty spectacular lady and uh, someone more like Megan and oh. for him to just kind of throw away that is insane. But even with that, you know, I think you get the idea that perhaps he's obviously dissatisfied, maybe bored, uh, and Don, Don's like, look, you know, I I didn't know, you know, Roger's miserable. I didn't think you were, and. Uh, Pete scoffs. He's like, look, just take a shower. Forget it. Yeah, exactly. Just shut up, man. Exactly. And so Pete, Pete does do that. He sneaks in, gets in the shower. And, um, and, then, we, and then, then we get to see indirect Pete. Dickisms. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, where apparently he ran over, battled off to Roger to tell him of Ken's writing, which, again, I mean, is absurd. It sounds like Ken's doing a great job. This conversation really seemed forced. Like, okay, we have to have this to make Pete seem even worse. And yeah, I, it seemed it seemed almost outside Roger's character because I mean, yeah, if if Ken's accounts were suffering, 
then it would be like, okay, we need to have this talk. Right. But we've never heard any of that. Ken's nope. accounts have never suffered. He's always been doing a great job. Yeah. That's all we've ever th- heard is how clients love him. And is Roger really going to just do Pete's bidding like this? Is Pete going to come in and be like, well, well, I tattletale. And Roger's going to be like, okay, then I'll just, I'll be, the, I'll be the bad guy for you. I don't right. know. That, yeah. that, that's, I'm, 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 I'm with you. This seems a bit, this seems a bit out of place. But to be fair, John Slatterly delivered this scene excellently. Oh yeah, he did great. Yeah. And he, you know, he finishes with his little chastisement, goes off to the meeting, lanes off to his meeting, gets a frantic call from Mrs. Price. Oh jeez. And now we kind of get into, uh, what, what would you call this scene? Um, oh, maybe the. the- I'm going to say the best scene ever to be aired on television, John. I, you like, know, ser- I wish I would. I wish I could call that hyperbole, but that, that this was fantastic. I mean, this was great. this was so fantastic. <laughs> the, all all the way around, you know. Lane marches in. He's ticked off. He kicks Joan out. Very stern. Yeah. And then just lays into these guys. He cost me the account. Um, you know, they don't understand what's going They're on. They're like, like, what? What happened? What? happened? Why did he tell? And then he says that uh, the, the client had gum in his pubes, which is hilarious. And they all start laughing. And to be except, fair, except come, Cooper, come on. Cooper doesn't laugh. I can't imagine not laughing at that. I can't imagine a situation where I would not laugh at that. Well, and, and Lane does not laugh. He is legitimately ticked off. Again, Cooper's not laughing. Um, but you know, the three guys that were there are laughing. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, is does this really affect whether they get the business or not? Uh, that's I, a good point. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would. Okay, the guy's wife is mad at him, but who cares? Right, right. Like that doesn't, how, how that that doesn't pay, affect business you know, at all. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, So now, again, it continues to ramp up because, uh, you know, they say it was his idea. And he said, no, he's a nice guy. He says, no, he thinks you're a homo. You that know, was no, no, no. Why? Why? Well, there was. He makes one statement at their dinner, saying, "You know, Lane and I don't have the same tastes in entertainment." And that so is, I think, that is such a far reach. It is from him calling him a homo. I mean, that was such a shot. Yeah, and you know, and, and Don even, you know, rolls his eyes, and uh, and Lane, you know, Lane looks at him, says, "You know, you're a monster." And then says it was my account. He says, "Well, you don't know what you're doing," and of course drops the the insult that really kicks it all off. You know, you've been useless since you fired us. And, oh. and the other three guys, I mean, you know, the other three guys are like, "Look, that's that's not okay. That's not true." And um, and Lane, Lane, this is so. You remember two episodes ago when Roger was arguing about the office? And was like, "You want to step outside?" Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't think so. You know, no. walks out. So now. There is no outside. We are in the outside. That's what's great. It's that Lane, Lane, no, we don't even need to go outside, pal. I'm taking off my jacket. I'm rolling up my sleeves, and I'm going to hit you in the face. And I, I, love, I, love, I love the line, as soon as I raise my arms, it will be too late to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's and they, pretty uh, good. One of, the, one of our listeners tweeted that, uh, or, or wrote in that his uh, comment of Pete as a grimy pimp maybe one of the best insults it was it was amazing I did not like Pete's comeback about do you want to remove your teeth or do you want me to do that for you 
Oh, he's trying to be tough. It's he's just not tr- working. He's trying his best. He's, he's trying his best. I, I mean, as they're closing the drapes, I mean, he is he is staring, pleading for one of those guys, namely Don, to knock this out, to not let this to happen. To stop this. Yeah. yeah. To step in. And, uh, you know, of course, Roger, I know a cooler head should prevail, but I want to see are, this. Are you kidding me? Roger prays for this at night every day, <laughs> right before he goes to bed. I mean, this is, this is the best thing that's ever happened to him. <laughs> and so the three guys are on the other side of the table are watching it. Lane pulls in the old-timey boxing. Oh, know, yes. Both hands in front. Pete oh. assumes, a, a, I guess, a more contemporary style. The first, punch, the first punch that Pete throws is so pathetic. It it's ridiculous. It it's ridiculous. Perfect. I'm surprised he even... I would have just let Lane take him out and, you know, just take him right down. But somehow Pete gets a few punches in, which I cannot believe. Right. right. I think it's just add well one, you have to make the scene last a little longer so you can do this Joan Peggy like Oh yeah, that's know, true. Hey they're listen, fighting and then the wall shakes. It was great. Listen, listen to this. Oh my god. This was I mean this I told Kate I thought this was probably my favorite episode <laughs> of the entire series. You know, apparently it's Lane that hits the wall and, and you hear Pete and you know, muffled say so he wants some more Mr. Toad. Oh my god! Oh my god! And uh, I would have come after Pete like a shark in a glass bottom boat. I mean, it would have been, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think this was, uh, you know, this was probably the biggest knockdown since Clay took down Liston. I mean, this was uh, <laughs> that this might was be historic. a little far. That might be a little far, but uh, <laughs> but let let's be clear: uh, the knockdown goes to Lane, and he is the victor. Uh, which I, I mean, you couldn't have it any other way. If Pete had beat Lane, I would have stopped watching the show. Oh, everybody would have. I just would have been no, nope. no, I can't do this. Late, uh, Pete couldn't beat up the girl he's going to driving school with. <laughs> I mean, uh, and uh, you know, the girls walk in. Cooper, Cooper just says reschedule the meeting. I love, um, I love Peggy's Peggy. Look. <laughs> Peggy is a great look. Wait, wait what, what? What? I saw nothing. I didn't yeah. see nothing. Oh, it's great. It's just so great. This scene. This scene. Was just executed masterfully. It was, it was, it was fantastic. And so, you know, Lane's uh, re- recovering, recouping, thinking about what has just happened. Uh, Joan comes in, brings in some ice, find, wants to find out what happened, tries to offer him some words of encouragement, support, fixes his hair a little bit, and of course he leans in for a kiss because who wouldn't do that? I mean, really, really. No, here's no, 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 no. Here's the thing. I think this was this was very, very. Uh, this was a very good scene. Number one, I don't know why she fixed his hair a little bit. That seemed a bit off-size. I mean, I'm sure she, you know, she was feeling for him. I mean, like she said, everyone in this office has wanted to punch Pete Campbell. But I feel like that was, that was maybe crossing the work relationship to fix his hair. The reason he kissed her is because his manhood was, caught, was called so into question by Pete mm. and this entire situation that I think it was just like he was... He, she's just like grasping a manhood in every direction. You know what I mean? I, so I, I think, think it made complete I think it made complete sense that he would kiss Joan. And the great thing about Joan is she's so professional. I think Joan realized this. Mm-hmm. I think Joan was like, "Okay, let's slow it down. I know what's happening here. I'm going to yeah. open the door. This isn't going to go any further, pal. Um, but I don't hold it against you." Right. I understand what's happening. Right? Right? And like you said, she gives him the big thumbs up. Everybody's wanted to do that. Oh yeah, I want to do that. I have a hard time distinct. I have a hard time distinguishing 
uh, between Pete and the guy who plays Pete. Well, come on. Is that fair? That's not fair. Oh, it's not fair. It's totally not fair. He's probably a great guy, I'm sure. But, man, if I saw him on the street, I'd probably want to punch him. I'm not violent. Listen, I'm Paul Giamatti size. I've got him weight-wise, but height. Right. And, you know, honestly, your punch would probably be along the lines of his first one. Whoa. Whoa, pal. Sorry, did I just call your manhood into question? You called my manhood into question. Good thing I'm a thousand uh, miles away. Yeah, good thing, because we would have we would have started... I'm taking my jacket off. As oh. everyone knows, I do this show in full Mad Men attire. My jacket is off. My vest is loosened. In your 77-degree Brooklyn weather. In my, in my really <laughs> hot apartment. But so, uh, we, we, you know, we get out of there. We see uh, Peggy and Ken uh, chat. She's like, hey, Lane kicked the crap out of Pete. I mean, you know, you know that, converse, that conversation's going to happen, like, for the next month. Oh, that was the best. And, that was uh, the absolute best. And, you know, and Ken's like, well, crap, he beat me to it. You know, because he knows yeah, right. that's, it was Pete that kind of put Roger up to that, you know, awkward chastisement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Peggy gives him a nice compliment, read one of his stories, thought it was good. I do think, though, that um, it is hilarious how sci-fi nerdy they've made his stories. Right. Like, they're, like, hilarious, though. Well, but, I mean, to be fair, his, his first short story publication was just, you know, a, a, a fictional kind of in-the-woods story. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though he says in the scene, Ben Hargrove is dead, I'm through with all that fantasy stuff. Well, that was true. Yeah. And we see what he's going to be writing um, more contemporary. And I've got to say, that was very much, that was, that was actually very nice because it, it made me really sad that he, that the thought of that he couldn't, you know, he was going to stop writing or, you know, like, just give it up. I mean, I guess, I guess I should have known better. I mean, obviously, he's not just going to give up because right. he says he can't, he can't stop. But, you know, I was like, man, for Pete to come in and just kind of ruin your outlet. Right. You know? Like, yeah, you know what? Work isn't 24-7. You need to have other interests. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was just kind of sad. And then you talk about sad. Jeez. So we see Pete and Don in the elevator. Oh, oh. Don's going to lunch. Pete is, I guess, going to go to the hospital. No, he's going to see a plastic surgeon. They may have overdone it a little bit, but it was great. It was, it was really fun. For him to start crying in the elevator right. was literally just horrifying. Right. And just I, yeah. horrifying. I, I mean, it, it was, but it was fantastic. And somebody, he was saying how he had just called into, you know, into question Lane's manhood, and we see yeah. that he has zero. Oh, well, not anymore. Yeah, his is gone. His is gone. Not only because of the defeat, but because of, you know, this kind of action. And then just his complete his complete lack of reality that he says, you know, how are we having a fight at work? You know, this is an office we're supposed to be friends. For him to make a statement like that, after he's treated the partners the way he's treated them, not just this episode, this season, you know, yeah. for, for him to not be able to realize that he is the least friendly of anyone yeah. in, in those He's doors. He's the one causing all this tension and awfulness. Right. The other thing is, when Don makes the statement that, what was I going to do? Just, like, step in and... Yeah, like, punch he, Lane. Yeah, here's the thing. He, yeah. It, that, that's between you two. Not only that, he did it. You know, when you make a comment like that, calling into somebody's, you know, value, their worth... Yeah. Value, worth, and manhood. Like, literally, he hit him on every level. Right. What, what's what's like? I mean, if Lane didn't punch him, yeah, it would have been it it would have would have been a shame. So, Pete Pete is out of his mind. 
But we see, we see actually, uh, we hear we hear a narrator come in right before we get to leave um, teary-eyed Pete, and it's uh, it's the voice of Ken, and so Ken has, he, he didn't lie when he said um, that Ben Har Hartgrove is dead. He simply has a new pen name, uh, Mr. Dave Algonquin. <laughs> and he's starting a non-fantasy story called The Man with the Miniature Orchestra, which is what Pete referred to the hi-fi as. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, so he's kind of writing now based on his experiences that, you know, the, uh, the, the phrases of uh, Beethoven's Ninth, Ninth made Ko cry, this character Ko, and uh, continues to talk about the country and how the country is killing him with its silence, loneliness, too beautiful to bear. And, you know, as we hear this, we see Pete uh, staring longingly, uh, now not just at the girl, but at the girl and the guy. Oh, this was tough. In the class, yeah. Oh, you know, man. Handsome is uh, enjoying himself. He's making uh, his way there, as they say, John. Yep. He is, uh, he's, he, I think he may be round in third. Right, right. And he, in uh, driver's ed, by the way. Right. Good God, handsome. Wait a minute. I, I, hate, I hate you, handsome. <laughs> Straight up and out. You know, but we, so we get the we get the uh, we get that little scene. We get the end of the narration, and right before it goes to black, we get the water droplets from the sink. Yeah. Thing. Oh man. And then and then it launches into a very deep uh, rendition of the Ode to Joy. Yep. So just uh, spectacular. So and I don't. I mean, wait, I mean, wait. somebody somebody tweeted. You know, after this episode, Pete's gonna kill himself. Yeah, I saw out, that. You know, somebody else wrote in. Is Pete's rifle loaded at work? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of concern that not only is you know Pete in a bad place, but he's might get to a worse place. Wait. So, so are 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 the water droplets meant to signify torture? No, I think it's meant to continue to signify failure. That you know, he didn't fix that. He did not fix that sink. He did not get that girl. You know, he did not get respect at work. Oh, nice, nice. I like I like I like where you took it. That's amazing. Uh, wow, wow! That was—I I, was—it's one of my favorite. I mean, certainly far and away the best episode of this season. Oh, spectacular! Like not—it's just it's, you can't even call it into question. Because I, I have felt like this season has been a little bit lacking. I mean, all the episodes have been good. We haven't had like a good power sh uh, show this this season, and Signal Thirty has been has just uh, just great. Just great. Watching it on the plane, everybody probably thought I was a jackass because I'm like, you know, I'm like holding my hands up to my face, <laughs> wiggling around. I'm, I'm screaming a little. I can't help it. Asking like, for more like bark when bags. The, when the whole fart, I mean, when the whole fight fart, when the whole fight scene came up, I'm just like, Ooh! it was, it was, it was, it was. I was, I was all excited, John. It was just, just wonderful. That's just great. wonderful, John. But that does bring us to the end of the episode, John. And I'll tell you what. Uh, we have had a tremendous amount of mail. Do you have any idea how you're going to get through this if I open up the bag? Uh, we're going we're gonna to get through this no-nonsense style, my friend. Okay, uh, I'm going to open the bag then. Very nice. Uh, yeah, no, we got, we got a, great, a great, great bag full of emails oh from people all over the country. We, like, we, we just so, so appreciate it. I know, I know Paul doesn't read well, but I, you know, I try and <laughs> I try and get to all of them. I mean, they're fantastic. We got uh, one from our friend Emily in Michigan. Um, you know, again, some of these are going to be in reference to the previous episode. Oh yeah. I, I appreciated your mystery date episode. Insights about the 
uh, earring in the shoe. Um, was wondering if you've ever seen a movie like that where you know a lost earring has been the clue uh, to a plot element. You know, and were they going to go back? Did that really happen? That really not happen? I, I don't think he killed her in real life. No. 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 no, no. Um, one of the big questions going forward out of that episode is the parental role that Greg will play in the baby's life. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I think Greg's gone. You know, as far as Joan, Joan and Greg and the baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we're pretty certain that um, this time he is going to die oh, over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because well, it, it's starting to get mean, and right. uh, and yeah, he's he. I think he's done. And uh, in addition to themes of violence, generation gap, change in society, there's also a theme around secrets. Um, interesting that uh, you know, secret about Greg's voluntary reenlisting. Um, also. Grandma tried to keep the story secret from Sally Ooh, of the murder. Fans of pants. You know, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think there's, you know, I think secrecy and, and dishonesty is a big part of this whole uh, whole series. Every every episode. Yeah. But th- <laughs> thank you, Emily. Uh, a, a fellow Michigander, Stacy, writes in. All right. Um, you know, says that uh, Doctor Doctor Rapey's parting words was, "If you, if I walk out that door, it's over." And uh, Stacey says she had, had a very similar experience. Her ex-husband said the same thing when she kicked her out. She says, I feel so Joan. Um, you guys do a great job. Love the podcast. Look forward to it almost as much as the real show. Uh, I'm just getting into the tweeting. So thank you. Thank you, Stacey. Oh, good. Good. Girl that. power. Spice Girl style. Uh, no podcast is better than yours. Thank you. This is um, true. Uh, we talked about uh, Maya. Maya, thank you for helping out with the three things. Um, she said, actually, before the three things, that she has so many things to say, so much has happened, uh, but wait, an accordion is coming by, and it'll just have to wait until I'm done with my cigarette. You have no idea how much that happens to me. Uh, <laughs> I know. And apparently, the bonus thing that we can learn from this episode is, um, to all you do-it-yourselfers, fixing plumbing is sexy. Oh, yeah. I fix, I fix plumbing all the time, John. Um, we have... Uh, John, who sent us the obit in New York Times for the founder of Butler Shoes, and we had uh, some other people here in a minute that we'll get to, but Butler yeah. Shoes is apparently a big deal in the East as far as footwear for women and children. I saw that. Um, a lot of Butler Shoes. A lot of Butler Shoes. Um, we got uh, Jamal from St. Paul, Minnesota. Just wanted to send a quick email, say how much I am loving your podcast each week. You guys do fantastic work breaking it down, and I laugh at least once every five minutes. Not oh, an exact figure. That's a rough estimate. So give I was, I was, I was worried that you were say like, we laugh at least once every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, I quit. <laughs> no, no, more, more than that. Every five minutes, uh, you know. <laughs> it, so that works out to you know, good thirty laughs uh, an episode. No, no, but no, fifteen something. Math like isn't math. Is math math's important. not my thing. Yeah, uh, I've listened to, to various other Mad Men recap shows, and this one offers more than the rest. You're not just regurgitating what happens. You're entertaining your audience. Thank you so much. Uh, we try. We are um, the show that other shows steal from. <laughs> Don't forget that. We have uh, Emily from the Orange County, the OC, uh, writes in and says, thanks for another podcast last week, especially created, appreciated the history lessons. Um, and then right. below, so she sends another, apparently she tried to send us an email, uh, but the mailer demon uh, rose up and took it. So she sent this a, a little bit late. But she wants to say that I am not kittens, that... Uh, what, what I had said the show before was that, you know, part of Don not being there is why Betty's gotten fat. And you said, no way, uh-uh. But what Emily says is that she's an emotional child who needs a man to make her feel secure. And without a solid sense of herself, she needs someone who can be a stern father figure, rather than a loving, smushy guy like Henry. I think Henry and Smushy go together perfect. 
I they do, but I, I feel as if I feel as if um, you know she eats her feelings for lots of reasons. I don't see why we always have to be on Dr. John's side. Moving on. Uh, love you guys. Looking forward to the next round. Um, uh, P.S. John, do you think that you sound like John Hamm? It's uncanny. Oh, okay, I'm tired okay. of this shit. I'm 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 serious. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, this one might make you feel better. This is a this is a, a compadre. <laughs> this is a fellow Paul. Paul. Yeah. And Norma. We all know each other. Paul and Norma writing from Dallas, Texas. As a frequent traveler, your hilarious and informative discussions make the drudgery that is today's air travel experience more oh, palatable. It's awful, folks. And you can speak on that. You just had air travel. I can't. My, uh, my wife and I love listening together while running errands over the weekend, too. Oh. I think Dr. John is spot on. Uh, sorry for that slight British creeper lane phrase. And when he pointed out that Sally's dalliance with a sleeping pill could lead down an addiction path. Oh, and he loves the Ginzo nickname much better than your offensive first attempt. That's pretty much He thinks that given all the knives that were alluded to in that episode, that perhaps his next nickname will be Ginsu. Oh, yeah. Uh, keep up the awesomeness. Doc Leo from Maryland writes in. Uh, more detailed butler information. Second largest women's and children's store, shoes chain in the country. Um, and they didn't make their own shoes. They imported them over almost 850 stores nationwide in the 60s. Um, bought out by Zales in the 70s, which closed a lot of their stores. So, Zales? Yeah. I know, right? And now they make jewelry. Yeah. Uh, it only got, be Jared, John. <laughs> we, got, we got one from Jerry and Kathy in Toronto, Canada, north of the border. Oh, my God, we're international. We are. We're greeting Mad Men Recapians, who may or may not lay eggs, from your devoted listeners in Toronto. Uh, we are concerned at how ill Paul sounded last week. That was, that was a are, problem. Are hoping he is feeling better. Perhaps Kate could inform us if he was looking wan. We learned, or hope we learned, uh, three things. First, a mystery date. Confusion over how Andrea could have found Don's address. He said before the Intertron, there was something called the White Pages. So I guess that's true, right? She could have just gone, looked it up, found him. It doesn't matter. It was a dream. Um, but for this episode, they like that Pete can talk some witty trash, the whole teeth thing but can't back it up. You know, was it that witty? You said you didn't like it. No, I thought that was that was that was literally like that 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 comes as a in in your textbooks in grade school as a thing to say before a fight. Right? Like that's like that's like the most well-worn fight threat ever. <laughs> I don't know. Not yet. I, I, you you know he probably heard that on the playground in like high school or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, he thinks that you know Matt doesn't do anything uh, by accident, wondering that if Pete's humiliation at work might lead him to some dangerous obsessions, again, quoting the rapey gaze that we noticed uh, at the end of the show. And, uh, you know, there have been talks of these silly serial killers now between both Chicago and Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is Pete going to join that group, or will he do something irredeemable, or will he do something irredeemable and get punched out again? Now, John, uh, I think there there are certain there are certain signs uh, to uh, cellular, serial killers. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen uh, too much violence against animals with Pete, have we? I mean, other than him wanting to kill one to eat, which I don't think counts. Um, I think the serial killer uh, uh, idea may be a little far fetched, um, but I do agree that I mean I, d- I don't think there's any way uh, not to have a dangerous ripple effect from this fight. I mean that just it, it, these kind of things don't. And amicably, especially when someone was so uh, humiliated, in this case, uh, Pete. So. Okay, we get uh, one from our friend Mike in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, thanks for reading the email. 
Well, I show you guys are terrific. Enjoy oh, yeah. the sincere acrimony and distaste for each other you showed a few episodes ago. Uh, well, it was pretty much just Paul. Uh, Seriously, folks. So, uh, you know, he was wondering, again, if, if Don really killed that woman, um, but didn't, you know, she couldn't get out of that episode fast enough. I enjoy seeing Don happy and like how he is trying to recreate himself with Megan uh, without dirty hood rats like Andrea uh, slash Ginger, who, what you kept calling her last yeah. week, coming back into his life. And, you know, that's, again, what we saw this week, that, yes, he, he kind of kept that at bay. Yeah. Um, we both had an issue with the whole bad penny phrase last week. I had not heard it. I, don't, I guess you hadn't either, but a couple people wrote in, including Mike here, that says um, there's a phrase that says, keeps turning up like a bad penny, uh, which describes someone who can't seem to leave out of your life for good, who just kind of keeps popping back up. Uh, Mike was glad to have Kate back at least last week, maybe next week. So, yeah, we appreciate that. And then our very last mention for today, we have a great, uh, we got a couple of great lists from Aisha, who has given kind of her top ten the last couple of weeks, but we'll just hit a couple of the high points uh, from this one. Did I miss something? Is Ray P.P. going to night school? Again, uh, driving school is what we'll uh, probably make that out to be. Do you think he's going to pass? I think after all this, there's no way he passes the practice. Oh, I think, I think he'll, be, he'll, he'll be far too distracted. And, and that may be uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back, John. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't pass the driving test and kills himself. I, li- <laughs> I like that she <laughs> says, speaking of Ray P.P., he just got into, quotes to catch a predator creepy in this episode. I think that's a, a pretty fair statement. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And uh, Don fixing uh, a sink and giving advice to a madam, what can't Don do? Uh, apparently, yeah, he can do everything. It's great. So that'll put a nice, neat little bow. Oh, my goodness. We're closing her up the mailbag. Folks, seriously, uh, all the tweeting ha- ha- has got to keep going. You're doing a great job, and we get so many new followers. Actually, every every Monday, it seems like we get hit with a bunch of new followers, and it's really cool. We keep growing this. Uh, like I said, you're taking down you're taking down my phone uh, with end of day battery with all these tweets, and I think that's great. Let's do it again next week. Um, we, we missed you. Oh no, you didn't. John did a great job, as always. Uh, we all know the listeners love. John more than me. <laughs> and that's why. But, uh... Pollen count high there or something? Pollen count's real high, John. And a bug flew in my eye, and I'm not crying. It's raining on my face. Uh, no, uh... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to fake cry there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, where you can't hear me fake cry, uh, at, uh, Mad Men Recap. And, uh, we will be live-tweeting, uh, next week's episode as well, because we love doing it, and we look forward... To all your witty banter. I mean, um, we were in um, Napa with our friends, and Kate and I couldn't stop talking about how funny the tweets are that come over the uh, the Twitter during the show. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, if you're not into tweeting, uh, you're really missing out. But you can go to our Facebook fan page, everybody. We are Mad Men Recap on the Facebooks. Uh, so please feel free to follow us there. You'll have a great time. It's a great community for talking about Mad Men and how great the show is, John, because you know what? Sure is. Uh, now, John and I's favorite things, there's two of them, all right? Uh, number one, emailing us. Uh, John, as I mentioned at the top of the show, will email you back with uh, witty banter and insight. And uh, I actually sometimes skim the emails, but as John also mentioned earlier, not a good reader. Never was good at sounding out those big words. 
So uh, if you would like to get your, your uh, email read on the show and or responded to by Dr. John, send us a line or send us a shout at uh, staff at madmenrecap.com. Now, folks, uh, our other favorite one is the iTunes comment. I mean, we absolutely live for those. Those are so much fun. Um, give us four stars. Don't get mad by me crushing four. four. What? Four stars. Well, can we get five? Yes. Give us six stars. See if you can code that in somehow. Now, don't get mad at me uh, crunching ice and then go back the next day and delete it. Uh, Just leave all five and uh, leave a nice little (laughs) note so everyone knows that we are the best Midman recap on the Intertron. If you don't already know, you're missing out. And we got some really nice comments just in the last week. I did want to point out, I thought this was really cool. We got one from uh, a person named Sans Shoes. And it was just cool because this person had posted back in 2009, was probably one of our first five mm-hmm. reviews, and comes back to post, say they've continued to listen over the years and uh, really continue to enjoy the show. Uh, there's a fun little interesting tirade by Dashing Nate. Um, and we got a few more very, very com. com- <laughs> complimentary um, statements on there. We, we appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And the one last thing, I know you've hit almost all bases here, is uh, the hard work that you've done on the updated Mad Men website. Yes. Uh, it's got every show posted. It's got some stuff we find about Mad Men posted. Uh, it's got the Twitter and Facebook information on the right-hand side. And feel free to check that out. You can listen through the website if for some reason the iTunes is uh, going all buggy on you. And chances are, if you comment uh, on the website, I will probably maybe get back at you. It's a good place to pick a fight with me, if you're just into that. Yeah, and Paul, Paul fights old-timey, both hands. I do, yeah. Right up in the air, English style. John, I just want to give out one more shout-out. I'm sorry, guys, the show's running long. I apologize. But a um, good friend of the show, Phil Anderson, sent me a picture of uh, Bugles at... Uh, at uh, Costco. So, folks, they're coming back. I don't know if it's a, just a, uh, a special edition for Mad Men, but run out and buy yourself some salty bugles and gain weight with the rest of us. And one it's last a great thing, time. I, I, know, I know you said it's getting long. Just one last thing. We've meant to do this for the last three weeks. We have oh. a listener that's been really helpful uh, as far as Paul's concerned in the sound quality of the show. That's right. That's true. That's right. Uh, it, it was Daniel, I believe. All right. <laughs> I, oh, no, I thought you had... You, why did you do that if you didn't have it in front of me? I don't have it in front of me, but you, you've been saying for like three weeks, man, we I really have, need to say thank after, you. After every, after every show, I, I've been saying, oh, man, we forgot to call him. I believe his name was Daniel. He, did, he, he gave me a little, a little tutorial on, um, on uh, GarageBand, and I think maybe you've noticed that our sound is just a little bit better, is a little bit clearer, a little less... Uh, our, our levels are a little better. I don't know. Um, uh, a little less background noise and whatnot, but uh, thank you so much. I really feel like uh, it's it helped our sound quality. So um, every, everyone thanks you clearly. So John, yep, I'm gonna call it. That's an hour and a half almost. All right, but you know what? That's okay because this was one of the best episodes they've they've, they've done. Yeah, this was fantastic. So f it, right? <laughs> John, we yeah, will talk to you next week, buddy. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, bye-bye. bye bye.